And so, um, <clears throat> you know, we're talking about the, the power of God and the authority of God, even over weather, over natural elements. Uh, how and he's giving his testimony of how he one time had to go to a conference in Taiwan, but there was a typhoon, a storm raging across. Uh, Korea at the time and so uh, to the point where uh, planes could not move but for some reason we were able to go uh, because God gave us the inspiration and, and so anyways like he's talking about those kinds of things and so ultimately what this is all about it's about calling it's about calling who has called you that is what's important because who has called you is will, will determine um, your confidence and not only your confidence but also your um, your 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 confidence to pray and Anya? And so the victory is about who lives in eternity, who reigns in eternity. It's not about who is better, it's not about who's more talented, but who spiritually is diligent in maintaining his upkeep. And so the more you live by spirit, uh, if you want to live by spirit, you need to put your flesh to death. And so that's why the Lord, in order so that we can put our flesh to death, uh, God, uh, Jesus pre uh, died for us already. And so in faith, uh, He has brought about that promise. And in faith, uh, we receive that promise and we are able to go beyond our limitations. And so... As I said yesterday in Philippians, uh, the goal that we are heading, striving for, and that goal is, is something that is far off, right? It's far off. Just as those of you who have gone to the military, when you're firing um, shots, something, something close by, it's easy. But if you, want to if you want to fire something that's far away, Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to um, be accurate from farther away and so the sniper they have to they have to uh, take account into uh, how the bullets how the bullets move um, um, according to various uh, circumstances conditions and so sniper sniper and sniper needs to be very sensitive to the changing of the elements and they're not just moving mechanically but uh, they have to be very intuitive to how uh, the various conditions are affecting them and so we need to have that kind of training to be able to see uh, far off into the horizon we need to be able to have that intuition and so as I always say uh, we need to see that goal that is far off. That's where we are heading towards. And so even when you're meeting with God, in the same way, it's that direction. Don't losing that direction. Don't lose that goal. And so if you choose that flesh, in that state, you may not see the exact... Um, loss you may not see the exact hardship right then and there but uh in the long run in in the in the far reaching consequences of that decision uh is 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 there for sure now at times it may happen instantaneous it may happen right away but 
And so if you are a living being, then you need to understand that you are constantly responding to something. And so are you responding in the spirit or are you responding in the flesh? That, that is ultimately what your life is about. And so when you respond in the flesh, then everything that you're receiving as information, everything that you're receiving as, as, as a standard, you know, that becomes uh, strongholds of unbelief in your life. And so if you, as you continually live in the spirit, responding in the spirit, and so, as I say, like in the same situation, are you going to respond in the flesh or are you going to respond in the spirit? And so spiritually, this is nothing. Like it's actually, it's actually nothing. But 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 as you're living in this, or so uh, that's that sounds so wrong out of context. Erase that one moment. For example, okay, so what it means spiritually that is nothing is, is like these fleshly um, stimulus, these fleshly stimuli are nothing in the context of spiritual things. For example, let's say that I, if I was affected by loneliness, the fleshly feeling of loneliness, then ultimately I would have used Zoe ministry as a, as a, as a vessel for me to gather more and more people. Right, but but so so when you are not affected by the flesh, you understand that these fleshly stimuli, for example, the emotion of loneliness, is is nothing ultimately, and so we need to continually reign over the flesh through the spirit. How by continually putting the flesh to death, by constantly dying to the flesh and living in the spirit, we go closer and closer to God. And when that happens, then then all those, uh, if for that to happen, you need to break down all those strongholds that have taken hold in your in your mind uh, because there are so many strongholds of the flesh in your mind so many strongholds in your thought processes and these strongholds uh, constantly sap at the strength of the spirit, constantly making you live in the flesh uh, according to habits. And so that's why your response to the spirit becomes very slow and slow. You need to be able to see it in the instant as, as a spiritual thing, but because of your fleshly uh, theories, your fleshly ideas, your fleshly conceptions, your fleshly information, it becomes difficult for you to respond in the spirit. But if you keep living in the spirit, then that measure continually expands and expands. That area of influence continually grows and grows. And so I'm going to talk about the work of repentance. But repentance, ultimately, when you live by the spirit, um, as you try to live by the spirit, you can't help but at times to fall into the flesh, right? And that's why this repentance comes into play. And so as long as you live in the spirit, this, this act of repentance isn't just simply you reflecting on your wrongdoing and, 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 and apologizing for that wrongdoing, but rather it is completely turning that strength, that energy that, that was in the flesh upside down and taking that strength back so that, so that you can live in the, in, the, in the spirit. And so ultimately, how can you not rejoice even in the act of repentance? You can't help but rejoice because you understand that you're taking that strength back. And so the absence of joy in your life is a serious, um, is a serious symptom of not living in the spirit. Right. 
uh, you need to be filled with that joy. For example, like even even in Nehemiah, when you see when you see a man who is in the presence of the King of Kings, an earthly King of Kings, the Persian Emperor, right? Uh, if if they if he showed sadness, that would be, lead to death. Because how dare you be sad before the King, right? When you're in the presence of the King, how much more when we are before the presence of the King of all Kings? And so. And so that's where we need that strength. We need that strength, and, and, and that measure grows the more you live by that spirit. So, and so you're constantly confirmed in the word of the Triune God. And so, in that life, in that presence, this presence of I abide in you and you abide in me, this is being embodied in you as you're continually living in that spirit. And as you continue to live in that spirit, as that indwelling spirit grows and grows and grows in you, everywhere you go, that presence is also with you. This is really important in your life. This is really important in your spirituality. Because remember, spirituality isn't just simply about your talent, it's not about your ability, but through continually putting yourself to death constantly putting the flesh to death living in that spirit living by the measure of god and so throughout the day maintain that spiritual state as long as you can more and more and more let it grow that's your goal so let's say that you were able to maintain for an hour then now your goal needs to be two hours if you two hours then four hours four hours then eight hours right so you need to maintain that goal and so as you maintain that state imagine how much god is going to talk to you how much god is going to pour out to you how much god is going to walk with you and really that's how much God loves you. God loves you that he wants to spend every waking hour, every waking moment with you. And so, and so he will not leave you alone as long as you are, you are living with him. You know, like with man, right? If your child constantly nags you, constantly wants your attention, it would be annoying, right? But, but God, God wants you to constantly annoy him, constantly wants you to nag him because, and that's you, because he knows that that is what's going to give your spirit life. And if you don't do that with God, then ultimately you're going to be looking for something else, whether it's your relationship with people, whether it's your relationship with something else, or whether it's your, um, your, 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 your maybe like books or TV or entertainment. You're, you're looking for something else. And so, ultimately, this needs to be embodied in your life. It's time for you to actualize it and realize it. Even now, open your heart wide and receive Him. Meet with Him. Ultimately, there's nothing for me to do. It's not about me doing something. And so, that's what we were talking about yesterday. And now, let's talk about this calling. Let's talk about calling today. And so, if we live by spirit, ultimately, where, what is the focus? The focus is that ultimately is that I'm living my life. But who is reigning over me? Who has dominion over me? And so these living psyche, they are reigned by their flesh. Then they ultimately automatically live by law. They have to do something. They have to make something of themselves. They have to possess something. They can't help but constantly move to do something that they have to be heading towards somewhere. That's, that is living by works, living by their actions. And so let's, let's try to put this in the context of pastoral ministry. Then what happens to that pastor? That pastor becomes religious has to constantly do something. They have this pressure to constantly do something. And then so in their limit, in their limit, 
they, they, they can't help but live out of their limit, and so they have to keep doing something. That's why if they have a dollar, then they work in that dollar. If they have ten dollars, they work in that ten dollars. So that's why they can't help but constantly focus on, on what they have. And so if, if man lives without God, they can't help but live this way. But if we live by spirit, then ultimately we're not living by this way, but rather who has called me, who has given it to me, and who has... Uh, and, and, and who desires what from me? That's what's going to determine that glory. That's what it is. That's what calling is about. And so that's the faith that you need to have. And so why is pastoral ministry difficult? Because ultimately it's not about you. It's not about you doing something. You believe rather that it's not me, but I just give it to God. And so God has called me to His church. And so of course, it's, and so that's why there is pleasure there. That's why there is fun there. And so, and so I don't blink very much. Like I, I, I'm not surprised by many things because ultimately, my my pleasure comes from God. My 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 wonder comes from God. And so it's not about my pastoral ministry. It's not about what I can do. It's not about what I can provide. It's not about my will. No, it's none of these things. And so, pastors, all of you are here because of your calling, right? And that's what we want to talk about today. It's your calling. And uh, my expectation is that the sermon would not be long today because, because the text today is short. And so I hope that the sermon will be short, please. <laughs> and then today we'll enjoy a good lunch. Uh, it has been served by Tasol and, and Shimpu. They have provided and sponsored this lunch today. So anyways... Let's enter into today's text. And so from the perspective of the larger picture at hand, your calling, you need to feel, find true freedom in that. It's because you don't have that true freedom that you feel uncertainty, that you feel this, this anxiety. And so from your lips, from your actions, there shouldn't be this feeling of working hard. It's not about working hard. It's enjoying. If I have to use the word working hard, work hard in only the aspect of what? Of putting yourself to death. But apart from that, you should take away this, this effort. Because no matter how hard the rabbit runs, the victory belongs to the tortoise. It's all under... But basically what it's illustrating is that, that ultimately, who does the victory belong to? It belongs to God, right? And so that's... As long as we are in His hands, right? And so look, I didn't even preach yet, and already you are free, right? You are already free, right? Are you not free? You are free. And my family was originally a family of Buddhism. And yet, what was interesting was that even though our family for many generations have been, have been very influential in the Buddhist temple, and yet, and yet for some reason, whenever I would go to a Buddhist temple, there would always be this kind of like, like uneasy feeling inside of me, this uncomfortably inside of me. 
I don't like whenever I would go there, I didn't like what would happen. Like for some reason, every ritual requires so much work, and so I didn't like that. Like, and also, there are times where I may seem like a like a Buddhist monk, but like to become an actual monk, you have to do so much. And so when I started to find the Lord, and when I looked at the Bible, what was amazing was that in contrast to Buddhism, where you have to do so much, where you have to sleep sitting up, you have to eat rice that is raw, even though there is rice cooker. Why do you have to eat rice raw? You have to do so much to be a Buddhist monk. And when I looked at the Bible, I saw the focus of the Bible. And what the Bible says is don't do anything. All you have to do is believe. And so I, how, how amazed was I at that when I contrasted it with Buddhism? Just believe. Just believe. And so ultimately, even from the perspective of the philosophies of the various religions, only Christianity is the one that is based on faith. Everything else is based on actions. In Christianity, all you have to do is receive what he has done. And so if you're living by religion, then already you are not seeing the essence of Christianity. And so ultimately, if Christianity becomes religion, then it is no longer actually Christianity. And so that's why I say, if you're going to live in religion, what does it matter if you're a Christian or Buddhist or, or Islam? Because oh, there's no difference. Ultimately, it's, there's no difference. And so religion, ultimately, they're all the same. If you look at religion, because... Because it, whether it's a Buddhist who is corrupted or a pastor who is corrupted, that's all the same. And so, and you know, like, when you see pastors arguing amongst themselves and, like, fighting amongst themselves, suing each other, fighting each other, getting at each other's throats, honestly, it's obvious. Do you know why? Because... Because they have to feed, they have mouths to feed, right? And so, of course, they're going to fight amongst each other if they are religious. And so, it's obvious that, that churches would fight amongst each other if they are religious. So, ultimately, I'm not surprised when I see pastors fight. Because, look, that's religion. But you are not religion. You have been called to God, right? God... God gives, God provides, God calls. And so this is ultimately the standard that God has. He is going to separate the sheep from the goat by what? By this, by calling, by who receives that calling. And so let's look at this, verse 12. Okay, so starting from chapter 10, what did I say? He is starting to answer his, his, his critics. And then so up until verse 11 from yesterday, he's already said, he's already declared that you are different from me, right? You guys are different from me, right? To the critics, you are focused on outside things, but Paul lives by the Spirit. And so verse 12, what we see is, is what else is different? Is that you have not been called to the church in Corinth. I have been called. And so again, this is this is separating them from Paul. And so look, whatever you do is about who has called you. That is what's going to determine the result. If the president has called you, then you live by the authority of the president, right? And then let's say if the mayor of this town called you, then you are living by that authority, right? 
And so your life well, is determined upon who has called you. And so let's say I'm doing business and it's the king who has called me then who is going to be responsible for that business is going to be the king. And that's why I say to our church members all the time to understand who, where your calling is, who has called you. And so if, you, if your church's calling is from you, then you are the king. But if, if, if God has called you, then who is the king? And so for the past 24 years in our church, I've, it's this process of everyone confirming who has called them. And so, like, for that calling, how, how, what kind of heart do they have to have? What kind of attitude that they have to have? That I'm willing to even divorce my spouse for this calling. I'm not telling you to get a divorce. That's not what I'm saying. So do not mistake in my words. But I'm saying that that is the kind of attitude that you need to have. That, that ultimately my calling is, is more important than anything. There's church members, like lay members, who are willing to give their lives for their calling to this church. So how much more should you as pastors give your lives for the calling to the church? As I say to our church members all the time, whether they get married or they get to business, wherever they go, make sure that it's from their calling, that it's out of their calling that they are doing that. That must be clear to them. And so ultimately from that perspective, if you look at your pastoral ministry, what's important to you as you're pastoring your church members is that ultimately is to confirm their calling, is to help them find their calling. And so uh, this guy, his... His wife, his wife came to our church for the first time 10 years ago, and, and, and his wife. And I told her at that time that you have no calling to our church. And so I kicked her out. And then 10 years later, she came back again. And, and then that's when I saw that ah, she does have the calling. And so I welcomed her with open arms. And then also Elder Choi over there, uh, his wife uh, was the first one to come to our church and, and, and saw glory. And then they sold their house, they quit their business, and they came here. They lived in a different city, all the way on the other side of Korea. And they came here, and then I said, do you know what I said to them? You don't have a calling here, so go back. After they sold everything, and quit their job, and everything. And so, and not only that, he was an elder at his original church. And so he quit his church too, and came here. And I told him to go back, you don't have a calling here. And then so they went home. And, and, and so imagine, they could be angry, right? They could be frustrated. They could probably be uh, um, offended even. And yet they kept coming back. And when they came back, I saw that they had that confirmation of their calling to this church. That it wasn't up to me, but it was up to what God and what they had with God. And so I said, good. And they came in. So it's not about it's not about what I can do, what I see. No, it's about God, right? God. And so ultimately, even in business, it's the same thing. Business is not it's not what I can do. It's not what I can make of that business. And so ultimately, that's why I say to the businessmen that ultimately, even if you fail, fail with form, right? Fail with 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 poise, because because. Because where does your confidence come from? It comes from the fact that you have been called by God, right? You becoming a big business is not up to your ability. It's not up to your talents, but it's up to God. That's the confidence that you need to live with. And so even if you fail, fail with poise. 
And so everything is about who has called you. Has the king called you? Then if the king has called you, then live with that authority. And so it's about his authority. It's about his will. It's about his plan. It's about his purpose. And so are you obedient to that? That is what must be clear. It's not about how many church members you have. That's not your concern. Your concern is, am I living by his calling? Am I following his calling? And so who has called me? Who has called you? Have I called you? And so in my life, in every action that I do, the, the, the driving force should be that, that who has called me? If you don't have that, then your life is going to be very difficult. You will not have that authority and power. You will not have that majesty. You will not have that supply and you will always be facing your limit. And so that's why in Yervan Church, this is the church of God. And because God has called us, regarding this calling, we have no doubt. And so if God wants to give more church, more pastors, then I'll accept more pastors. Look, we are not a big church. And yet, look at how many associate pastors we have at our church. We're providing for their homes. We're providing for their families with this small amount of members. It's, I'm not trying to boast, but what I'm trying to say is, is that can you understand the business side of this? You can't, right? But am I responsible for this? Am I trying to provide for them? No, it's God. And so if they starve, then ultimately that's not my concern. <laughs> And so now Pastor Cho is going to be going to Gwangju. And already there are church members waiting for them in Gwangju. And so if we run out of funds, we're not going to send them funds, right? It's, that's up to them. That's up to them in, in God's, in God's uh, responsibility, right? He's talking about the organization now of this branch uh, church, how they're going to go. So and then, so I'm going to put them in church in, in cities where where Zoe Ministry does not exist yet. And so we're looking at Gwangju and Busan. And so this isn't a new church being planted, but rather it's a branch. It's a branch. And so it's not about trying to build a church, but rather the truth being proclaimed in every corner of Korea. And so whether, whether church members are there or not, it, I mean, that's not my primary concern. My concern is, is that is the word being proclaimed in these areas that have no word being proclaimed. And so, so even if there's not a single church member, it's okay. As long as, as, long as, there are ch as, long as the truth is being proclaimed. And that's what this branch uh, campus is for. So whether whether church is planted or not, that's not important. What's important is that the truth is being proclaimed. And so in Gwangju is the first place that's going to go and showing that uh, that God is above the politics of the area. And so I told Pastor Cho to proclaim that um, God is bigger than the Democratic Party <laughs> because Gwangju is a stronghold of the Democratic Party. So anyways...
Verse 12. Uh, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. So here, look at what's important here is, is that they're commending themselves. And so when they commend themselves, what does that mean? That means that their standard is themselves. That means they are living by their flesh. That they are living by their thoughts. They are living by their methods. Their standard is their, 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 their standard is themselves. And this is the danger of the fleshly life. If you live by God, why is your standard yourself? And so, the issue with this in Mark 4 is that what? Is that there are two powers, two authorities in one kingdom, right? There cannot be two kings in one kingdom, right? And that's the problem here, is that because there are these two kings, your life can't help but be complicated. And that's the conflict that's going on inside of you. And that's why you are always conflicted with greed, conflicted with hardship. And so, these people, it's not as if they do not know God. They have met with God. And yet, but because they live by the flesh every day, they're controlled by the enemy. That's the, that is their self-standard. That is looking for their own uh, benefit looking for their own profit and so you may say to yourself that that I may be self-centered but I don't live a greedy life no that's not possible if you are self-centered you cannot help but live for your own gain and so if you live as if you live in the flesh uh, uh, as a pastor then ultimately what is the problem is that your pastoral ministry becomes um, becomes a trade it becomes your career it becomes something for you to maintain your livelihood and so you can't help but that to happen naturally you may think that that's not what you're doing but if you are living by yourself if you are living for yourself if you are living by that standard then this is the principle this is the order of things and so either you are living in god or you are living in the flesh and so that's why I said constantly throughout this conference is do not be lazy in putting yourself to death because you need to be able to accept whatever God gives at any time to the measure that God is giving. And so in your pastoral ministry, ultimately what God wants from you is what is to give uh, your life 100% to Him. Why? Because He wants to give 100% of who He is to you, right? And so ultimately, if you know who God is, then this becomes so obvious to you. This becomes so obvious that you should put yourself to death. But if not, then it's all about yourself. My righteousness, my my benefit, my gain. And so, why is God demanding this? Because ultimately, it's not a difference of level, but a difference of dimension. You are a created being. He is the creator. And so, obviously, we should live by Him. And so, it's not simply about level, but about dimension. And so, if we live by flesh, if we live by flesh, then we are constantly confined to the limitations of that flesh. Constantly confined to what, what, what my weaknesses are, what my strengths are. Constantly under the shackles of comparison and contrasting between myself and what's around me and so you can't help but live by that limitation and so you need to see you need to see that that is what it is about like it says in these end times in Zechariah 5 and so this season right now as as Zechariah 5 uh, prophesied is that the church is being completely separated from the world it's time for us to come out of Babylon and so for the past 20 years, that's actually what God has been prophesying to us. 
that, that, that this is what we are preparing for, is the separation. And now that time is upon us. And this isn't about me doing something, but if I live by the Spirit, if I live by the Spirit and I'm putting on the death of Jesus Christ and, and carrying the cross every day, then this just happens automatically. Because naturally, the measure of God's grace that is reigning over me expands and expands and expands, and it leads me down that way. And so everything that God has done is simply just receiving that by grace. Amen. That, that is ultimately what our responsibility is. There's nothing in this world more easier than that. There is nothing in this world that is as easy as that. And as I always say, is it easy to live by the world? Is it live, easy to live by the devil? Is it easy to live by God? Which one is the easiest? And really, you need to experience how much easier it becomes to live by God. Because how expansive is his heart? How expansive is his embrace? If you live by people, as I said to Taeyong before, are you going to believe if I say I'm going to take responsibility for you? Do you believe or not? I can't take responsibility for you. I'm sorry to say. I can't take responsibility for you. Even if I were to take responsibility for you, right, I'm limited. I have limitations, and so like even in even in the uh, even within the the, the 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 confines of money, right? I have limit to how much money I have, right? Pastor Cho, am I going to take responsibility for you? No, I'm not going to take responsibility for you. Take it, Take it, <laughs> and so, you know, my limitations is always going to be there if I take responsibility. And so I'm not the one, the one who takes responsibility, but God takes responsibility. Amy. And so we can, I do not compare myself to them, right? And they commend themselves. And so as we see that they're ultimately, that they are, their standard is themselves. Their measure is themselves. And so ultimately, their motivation is what is to live by what they have. Their motivation is to live by uh, making the most of what they have. And so if I have a dollar, I'm going to live that full measure, full values worth of that dollar, right? And so it's all about themselves. Their focus is on themselves. And so if you, if this is the principle, if this is the driving factor of your pastoral ministry, how torturous would that be? Because you're always living under that limitation. You're always stopping in that limitation. And so that means that instead of being big business, what you are is just simply a mom and pop store down the street, right? And now I'm not saying I'm not using this comparison to say that that one is better than the other. What I'm using this comparison for is the scale, right? The scale of your ministry. Okay, we don't always need bigger things, but I'm talking about the scale. Because, <clears throat> because who knows what God is going to do when it comes to scale, right? When it comes to scale, we need to have the faith to be able to uh, receive God's scale at all times. And so instead of living under my limitations, instead of lim limiting, uh, living under my potential, my possibility, my ability, I live by what God has, His measure. And so, who knows what he's going to do? And so, what do we need to do? We need to constantly put ourselves to death. Constantly put ourselves to death. Look at what the enemy is doing in this world today. Everyone is living about themselves. It's all about self-centered. It's about my ability, my possibility, my 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 potential, my world, my business. 
Right through this cell phones, what is this world doing? Through technology, what is this world doing? Is creating your own world. And so your victory in, in your pastoral ministry is going to come from what? Is going to come from taking away your church members' cell phones. Don't allow don't allow their church members to be too influenced by their cell phones, especially young adults. I say young adults so much that if you cannot handle it, then get rid of your cell phones. And so because the spirit of worldliness comes so easily through those cell phones, through those screens. And so you have to keep fighting that. Keep fighting it. Because what are those screens doing? The screen is making your own kingdom. It's creating your own walled garden that, that no one can touch. And so look, it's all about themselves, their measure, their ability, their limitations. And so don't allow that to grow because, because ultimately... There is no greater tragedy than this, than, than being limited by yourself. And so don't allow that tragedy to come to your church members. And so whenever you're trying to make something out of your own ability, you need to understand that that is the worldliness, that that is your self-thing. And then so some people, when they look at me, they say that, Pastor, you have great dreams. And honestly, though, it's not my dreams. I'm, I've just throughout my life constantly habitualized living by God. And so that's why what I proclaim is what, what God is giving me. I'm not trying to make anything out of my own ability, out of my own limitations. I'm not trying to do things out of my potential. So I always say to our past, my church members that if you want to live, you, you need to live by God's scale. And God's scale ultimately is... Uh, under the through the uh, you need to first bring that in regards to my scale right if you cannot go through my scale how can you receive God's scale so what is causing you your frustration what is causing your limitations it's not your limitations it's not even your talents it's not even your abilities it's are you receiving God or not are you receiving the promise that God has for you 100%? That's actually where your victory will be determined. As I always say, are you receiving that promise? It's not about how well you can do it. It's not about your ability. And so as you've been following after me, if, and the reason why I'm saying to give your lives to my, my words is not because I'm a better preacher than you, no, it's because God's calling has established me here. That's the only difference. And so a long time ago, Pastor Chu in Denver, he said that, oh, I want to go to Zoe ministry, but I don't want to be under Pastor Kim. And that's why I said, look, don't worry, you don't have to be under me. It's about calling. If, it, if you can't be under me, then, then you're not called here. It's okay. What is evil? The wicked live by themselves, for themselves, as the Bible says. And if you live for yourself, then you have to live by your conscience, you have to live by your limitations, you have to live for by what you know, by, by your culture, by your standards. And what is that? As the Bible says, it is evil, it is wicked, right? For the wicked will live for themselves. Right, and that is what? That is arrogance, that is pride. And so when you are living for yourself, you are blind because you cannot see that. And so look at how much we need to despise the self. Look at how much we need to put to death the self. 
to the point of, 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 of obsession, to the point of tenacity, this is the determination you need to have. And so in every situation, this is actually where you will find limitations. If you're living by your talents, if you're living by your ability, then you'll always face limitations. You'll always face limitations. And so listen carefully, pastors. Listen carefully, pastors. Right? If you live by yourself, then you will always be limited, always being limited. And so you need to live by God's calling, by who God is. Because if you live by yourself, you are limited by yourself. And when you are limited by yourself, you are limited in scale. And when you are limited in scale, you can never, never, ever go beyond. And so you need to live by, by what God gives. So they measure themselves by one another, comparing themselves with one another. And so ultimately, if as a, past, as a man of God, who are you to compare yourself with? If you have to compare, then who are you to compare yourself with? Not with people, not with other servants, but with who? With God. And so ultimately, who can compare with God, right? And so that's why you become nothing. That's why you become zero. And so that's why you live by what God gives. And so ultimately, if you are to compare, compare yourself with God. That will bring you to true humility, will it not? Because nothing compares with God. And so think about the times that you uh, think about the times where you have been um, pressured, where you have uh, had hardships, for example, like money, right? One moment. Okay, and so with that money, right, where does that pressure come from? It becomes you're comparing yourself with other people, right? You're comparing your, your situation with other situation, right? And, and, but let's say you compare that with God who has no limit. Then ultimately, there's no reason to feel that pressure, even if you don't have anything. For example, let's say 188 centimeters. Is he tall or short? He's tall, right? But now that 188 centimeter person, let's compare him with the 200 centimeter person. Who's taller, right? He cannot, he, he might be, feel proud of himself for being 188 in front of people who are maybe 160, but ne next to someone who's 200, then who cares? For example, who, who can define beauty, right? Who can define beauty? Are, uh, are you beautiful, Han? Are you the standard of beauty, Mrs. Han? No, you can't be the standard because you are only one, right? There is no standard. And so listen carefully. This is the fundamental reason why you need to live by God because all of your source of pride, all of your source of, of humility is also all because of this comparison. And so what you need to find is that absolute standard, the absolute standard. And when you live by that absolute standard, that's when you will find yourself not comparing and you will not feel inferiority. You will not feel shame. You will not be, you will not be conflicted by all of these things when you live by that absolute standard. Okay, so listen carefully, listen carefully. And so, if you live by the absolute standard, you will not concern yourself with these things. And this is why it's so important to stand before God. 
If you find this inferiority, this shame constantly rising up inside of you, that's because you are living by that kind of um, subjective standard. And when you are living by that subjective standard, what should you recognize? You should recognize that I'm not living by God. And so this majesty, this honor, this nobility needs to fill your soul. And in that filling, what would you be filled with? You would be filled with confidence. And this confidence doesn't come out of arrogance, but this confidence comes from your faith in God, knowing who has called you, what he, who he is, and what that calling means. And that means he gives all of this to you, right? And so like David, what is the result that's going to happen? That no matter suffering comes, no matter what hardships may come, I cling to God. That's the confidence that you will have. And so look at how dangerous it is that you are comparing yourself to someone that is causing such hardship, such struggle, such suffering. And so comparing in, comparison in itself, this is something that, that, that is such a source of wickedness because ultimately, when God created you, He created you to be unique. There is no one that you can compare yourself to because ultimately you are one. And so because you are one, who, where is there anyone to compare? And so if you compare with yourself with someone, then ultimately things that you think that you are better than them, that's going to be a source of arrogance. And anything that you think that you are not better than, that is a source of what? That is a source of, of inferiority. That is a source of shame. And so comparison, that is the problem. And so... So let's say that a problem comes in your life. And, and if you live by comparison, then, what, then, what, then what's going to happen? Then what's going to happen? You're going to try to find a way to, to, to solve that problem, right? You're going to find a solution. But if you don't live by comparison, then what, then what happens is that you don't need to have that plan. You don't need to have a plan. And so like, for example, like Paul. Paul went to Corinth, right? And his critics came against him. They rebelled against him and they brought him to shame. But because he didn't have a plan, what happened? He just received that shame and went back home, right? And so ultimately, what happens is, is that they are able to wait for God's plan. They're able to wait for God to move. And so by necessity, they will not be rapid. They will not be efficient. They will be inefficient because they are waiting for God at all times. The world says that who is efficient is the one who is going to be victorious. But what about God? God says it's not about efficiency because ultimately who holds the victory is God. And so as long as God takes place, victory is there. And so we never have a plan. We don't need a plan. We just wait. Wait for God's plan. And so to Paul, he doesn't have his own plans. So if you find yourself constantly planning for the future, that means you are living out of your experience. You are living out of, of your ability. And so not planning for the future is a clear uh, image, clear aspect of living by God. Is this, that is clear proclamation that I live by what God gives. And so if you have the stronghold in your mindset, then you're constantly trying to plan. And, through your, and you act out of your plans. And if, you, if it doesn't happen according to your plan, then, then you cannot stand still. If you have to eat something, you, you go get it. If you have to say something, you say it. If you have to do something, you do something. And so 
And so if you and so if you live by God, then then there's always this term, this interval between what you do and what what is going on. Because let's say you have to say something, then you wait for God. You wait for God, and then you say. And so there needs to be this interval. And so as when you live by the Holy Spirit, you can't help but become inefficient. But if God may, lays that determination and He gives you that decision, then that's when things happen really rapidly. It happens uh, quickly. It happens powerfully. And so, the blessing comes from those who wait for God. Amen? And so, let's continue. So, ultimately, this is all the result of living in the Spirit. And there's not much for you to do. All you have to do is just put yourself to death and wait for God. And so, let's move on to verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits so this word limit again this limitation right? <clears throat> but we will not boast beyond limits and there are many places in the New Testament where this word limit comes out but, but the only reason why he used this word limit is, is very clear so let's look at that and so but we will not boast beyond limits <clears throat> so again this word limit but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. So again, this, this area of, of influence is again limits, limits. And so this limit is talking about measure. And so it's about how this measure that God determines. And so when he says that we will not boast beyond limits, what he, Paul is saying is that ultimately, uh, is that this measure that, that, that God has determined. What is that to Paul? It is his apostolic ministry. And so there is this measure of his calling and this measure of his calling is his apostolic ministry. And so he has authority according to that calling, right? And so like it says in Ephesians 4, 7, uh, the limits of his grace, right? The measure of his grace. And what is this grace? This grace is the spiritual gifts of your spiritual uh, position, for example. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and ministers. And so there is this measure, there is this limit. And this limit isn't made out of your training to build up, no, but rather, as it says, as God assigned to us. And so because God calls you, He assigns you this measure, right? And so as I say again, are you making out of your effort? Is it out of your effort? No, because He calls you, He, he determines this measure. And so if you don't believe this, then you cannot live by this. And so this is really important. And so the important thing is to live by grace, not by your efforts. And so what kind of uh, gifts are given to you in Romans? It's, it's this gift of teaching, this gift of leadership, gift of service. Now these gifts, God determines the measure. God determines your, your, your uh, he assigns to you your gifts, right? And so everything in grace is not you making something. It's not out of your ability, but what God has assigned to you. And that is what's key here. 
And so it's based on your grace, based on his calling to you. And so how much he has assigned to you based on how he has established you. Remember, he is the God of the universe, right? And so according to his calling, according to his determination, when you know what his determination is, what his calling is, and what it is, then you don't need to ever feel uncertain. You don't need to feel anxiety, right? You you are always happy and free in his determination, amen? And so when you receive what he has given you, then ah, God will make it so. God will make it to happen. And so calling, calling, the most important first calling is your calling as a child of God. And if you have that calling as a child of God, then all the authority and power as a child of God is given to you. And so God has given you that, that measure, right? He has assigned you that, that authority. And so that's what's important, right? This, this, this kingly, kingly prince, this kingly authority that you have as a prince. And so this calling, this calling as a prince needs to be clear to you. And that's what, that's how I've lived my life, especially as a, as, as a Levi, right? As a, as a priest of God, right? That wherever you go, you will be a source of God's blessing. I, I've lived with that belief everywhere I go. That wherever I go, that, that, I, that people will be blessed through me and people will be cursed by, uh, because of me, right? Because that I am that standard. And so as a child, because I've been called as a child of God, then I have this measure. This measure is given to me. And so God gives according to that. And so hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what I live by. And so, and then through Jesus Christ's calling, I, we have become what? We have become children of the King. And so you and your church members needs to receive the full measure of that calling. Amen. And so ultimately it's about who has called you. And so no matter what people may say, no matter what happens, who has called you? The King of all kings. As Apostle Paul says, my calling isn't the level of the Caesar of Rome, but rather the King of all kings, the God of the universe. And so even if it appears as if I am a slave, I am called by who and I'm a slave to who? I'm a slave to the King of all kings. And that's the faith that you need to have, that nothing can touch me. No power, no authority can mess with me apart from the power and authority of God. And so... Right, and Paul experienced this firsthand when he met with Jesus first on the road to Damascus. What did Jesus say to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul says, well, he says, I never persecuted you, Lord. And he says, you persecuted my servants, right? And that is persecuting me. And so Paul understands that, that, that when, I, when someone messes with me, who, is they, who are they messing with? They're messing with God. And so why do we have authority over demons? Why do we have authority over devil, over the devil? It's because, because of who we are called to be. We are called to be children of God. And so when we are children of God, we have the authority of God. And so who has called you is the most important thing in your life. Because whoever messes with you is messing with the king of all kings. And that is connected. That is the connection that you need to have faith in. And so if you don't confirm this calling, then your life, ultimately, whatever you do, will always be a struggle. So let's say I'm doing business. My business is because of who? Because God has called me. Let's say I'm an employee. Who has called me is because the God, God has called me. Right? Whatever you do, whether you get married, whether you're in school, whether you are working, whether you own a business, everything moves in the context of this. 
And so making sure that this calling is always there. Has God called this? Had God called this? If God has called this, then everything, then, then, uh, then, then that is what determines everything. And so, so when church members ask me if I should get this job, did God call you? If, if, that's what I'm checking. I'm not sending them whatever, wherever I want them to send. I'm sending them based on if God has called them. And so look at Paul here. This, this limit, this assignment of God, he does not boast beyond his limit because God has called him as an apostle. Everything that is happening in Corinth, is, 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 it must go through him. He understands that. that. And so what is he saying? He's saying that I'm not working so hard for the Corinthians beyond my calling because I've been called here that's why I'm here and so though his critics come against him what does he say? he says that even though they may be servants of God even though they may uh, truly have God's blessing because they are not called there to Corinth whatever they say is not the gospel of God so this is the confidence that we need to have, right? That, that the word that you proclaim is ultimately the authority that 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 that, that your church members should live by. And so, so for that's and so for example, I always say to our church members, right, is that don't get don't receive sermons from other places because ultimately. You need to be receiving the word from from your pastor who has who you have been called to. And so the reason why your church members aren't growing is because instead of receiving the nourishing flow that comes through your church, they are receiving nourishments from all different places that is getting mixed and conflicting with one another. Remember that God will call your church and will reckon it through you. And so it is through your words, through your sermons, that your church will be nourished and fed. And that's the clear uh, confidence that you need to have. And so that's what Paul is saying here, is that ultimately I have been assigned this by grace, by grace. And so these critics, no matter their, uh, no matter their certifications, no matter their goodness, it must all be reckoned through me, that God has given it to me, that this is what God has assigned to me. And so look at the confidence that he would have then to do, to, to say, and, and, and in that confidence, what comes? Power and authority. Power and authority. And so for the past 32 years, never once have I questioned God's faithfulness in regard to this. He has always been faithful in regarding this calling. He has always been faithful. And so look, I have been called as a child of God, and I have been called to Yobang church then look this Yobang church through this Yobang church uh, God is blessing and making perfect those who have that calling to this church as it says in Ephesians 4.12 that, that if they have the calling to this church let's say they go to a different church then, then they would die right look you were you called to this church are you sure you have been called to this church Pastor Hijun Kim called you what are you talking about he came to this church because of Pastor Hijun Kim. But he was so demon-possessed that, that Pastor Hijun Kim told him to come to me. And so I cast out demons. Then he should go back to his father, right? His father of Pastor Hijun Kim. Then are you saying I'm a liar? 
Right? Pastor Hijun Kim sent you here because you were possessed by so many demons that he couldn't cast out, right? And so that's why you came here. So I cast out those demons, and so now you became whole, right? And now that you became whole, and I completed what, what Pastor Hijun Kim asked me to do, you should go back to your church, right? It's because I've been called as a head pastor, that's why I'm here. And Pastor Cho has been called an associate pastor, and that's why he's there. Now, of course, your calling can always change apart from what calling? The calling of Jesus Christ. Right? But let's say that a business became uh, a calling to a worker. That may be the same thing, right? An associate pastor may be the same thing. Let's say he's an associate pastor and he's been called, but then God calls him, now changes that calling to a head pastor. That may be, that may be the case. But your calling to Jesus Christ and your calling... You're calling to Jesus Christ never changes, right? Because you have always been called to Jesus Christ. And so right now in the present, I've been called as a head pastor, right? And so that's why I'm a head pastor. But what's the difference between me and Pastor Cho? Right, it's all about calling, right? You're calling, it's the difference of calling. There is no difference in talent, there's no difference in, in ability, it's all about calling. Look at, look at all the professors at our church, right? Why are they not head pastors when they have, when they have PhDs, right? If, if the standard was intelligence, then they should be head pastors, right? So he said that, why is this the case? It means that they have something that they're lacking. And, and it sounds more funny in Korean, but in, in English, the best way to say it would be like, they are, they are, I don't know how to, I don't know how to translate it. So that's funny, but anyways. There, and so, you know, Pastor Chong, um, before I sent him to get his doctorate, Actually, what conf confirmed his calling to the church to me was that one time he was fighting with his wife. And as he was fighting with his wife, this is what he said. He said to her that, I can fight with you all the time, but I'm never going to get a divorce from you. Why? Because if we get a divorce, Pastor Kim is your brother-in-law, so you're going to stay at this church. But if I get divorced from you, I have to leave this church. So I will never divorce you. <laughs> and so when I heard that, I understood that he had the calling to this church. And so that's when I sent him to get his doctorate. But anyways, and so it's about your, about your measure, your limitation, what God has assigned you. God's, God's uh, limit is all determined by God. And so this is what is um, conf uh, uh, comforting Paul. And so, because he knows that this limit is from God, this, this measure is from God, he knows that he has the ability, the authority, and the power to, to demand these things from the Corinthians, to, to excommunicate people, and to, to say that my gospel is the true gospel to you, because he understands his, his, his calling is from God. And so this isn't about his charisma. It's not about his own force of personality no it's about the order of god and so this order must be maintained and so if anyone challenges you in your church your power and authority in the church that do not let that do not tolerate that do not compromise with that it's not because of your charisma it's not because of the person your personal force of personality 
but because God has called you and this is the measure and that and you need to show that to your church members not forcing yourself to be charismatic not forcing yourself to have that authority no it's the scale that comes out of the faith of your calling right, for example my 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 ministry me going out into the world and 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 providing it's not because of the force of my personality it's not because of how much church members i have it's not because of my dreams no it's the scale that god has given me and because god is giving me this vision right that 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 we are to serve the world serve the nations then we do according to that faith that that god will uh, provide and so it's not about my decision but God's decision because God's decision is given to me no one can go over me when it comes to this calling when it comes to this measure when it comes to this what God has assigned to me and so this order must be established in you and as long as this order is there then that, that authority and power will may, be made manifest because you have this confidence in that order and so through this one confession of Paul here look what I'm trying to say is that don't think of this as it's because of who Paul is that he was able to write this. It's because of who Paul is he was able to do that. No, it's because God has called Paul and Paul received that in faith, that order in faith. That's where that power and authority comes from. It comes from that order. And in that order, there is what? There is freedom. And freedom, in freedom, there is true love. And so why are you able to love? Because that order is there. Because that freedom is there. Love doesn't just come out of nowhere. Love doesn't just come out of anywhere. No, it's in that order. And so, and so right, who, how can you love church members? It's not because you're filled with this loving personality. No, it's because of this order. In this order, right, as Jesus says, love my sheep. And my sheep are those who are under that order, right? It's not just loving anyone. So it's in that order. That order must, must be established. It's when that order is there that that authority can be availed. And so in that glory... In that glory comes, uh, or no, in that order comes that glory. And so for a time, God, as he was training me, has been making that order. Look at Titus. In that church that has just been established, what does Paul say to Titus? He says to first establish that spiritual authorities, that spiritual order, right? Right, establishing who deacons are, who elders are in a church that was just established. Why? Because in the church, it's about that order. That spiritual order is what's going to establish that church. And so, if that order is not established, then you need to establish it. If it has been broken down, then uh, then then restore it. And so if, you do, if you're not aware of these things, then your church just simply becomes an organization. The church of God is not an organization. It is life. It is reigning with that kingly authority that God gives. And so don't think that it's because of Paul. No, because of what God has given, that is what made Paul. And it's the same to you. It's not about my personality, my ability, my, my limitations. No, it's what has God called you to be. And so if it's to the world, if it's in ministry, whatever it may be, it's because the king has called you. And when you receive that, he will give you, he will assign to you according to that limit.
So that's the faith that you need to have. Now, of course, there may be a difference in time frame to each individual, but but the result is ultimately there, right? The the, the victory is ultimately there. It's one hundred percent success rate. Amen. That's the faith you need to have. And so, in the big picture of things, uh, as this is how God reigns over the universe. For example, it's a life that combines the parable of the talents and the parable of the minas. Right? What is the parable of talents? The talents is, is that the master gives according to what he wants, right? And they all receive a different amount of talents. What is this talking about? It's talking about their spiritual measure, right? Someone is an apostle, someone is a head pastor, someone is an associate pastor. It's all different, right? The amount of talents you receive is different, right? Right, let's say that the head pastor receives 100, then the lay members may receive 80, may 50. They all have a different measure of talents, right? That's the parable of the talents. But what about the t- parable of the minas? Everyone receives one mina. What is that? The glory of the gospel and the, the authority as, as ki- children of the king, the authority and power of the word, the majesty of the word. All of that is equal to all, right? They have all given you that, 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 uh, that glory of the, of, the, of the holy of holies, right? That's all one mina. And so with that one mina, you are living to the fullest of that measure, right? And so from this perspective, what is life? Life is basically like making a movie, a drama, right? To, that, that God has assigned everyone a role. They are making a movie and everyone has, been, has, has a role. Some are the leading actor, others are supporting actors. Some are extras, right? And, and God is the director and, and, and leading that picture into, um, into a work of art, right? But the difference is, is that all the roles have been assigned, but there's no script. And so, and so there is this big picture of how this, this scene is going to be filmed, but there is no script. Why? Because now that script is based on your free will, and so God, and so you move according to that free will. That is the parable of the talents, and so the minas is the fact that your these roles are all given out, and you are making the same movie, but the talents is now your script. Some right, and so now you train yourself to to work out that script. And so as I say in your Christianity, uh, make confessions, great confessions of faith, and then God takes and then you lift it up to God and say, you take responsibility. Right? Look at look at what Paul says. Paul comes up with this script, this amazing script of like of, of this responsibility, right? Of this greatness, but then he, he gives it to God, right? According to your will, God. God. And so speak well and speak um, he, he, he's using the word cool, right? And so, like, like look at him. He, he has a way of uh, flirting with, with girls, right? Right? He's really interesting, right? I told him to, to try meeting with this girl. And the very next day, he says they're getting married, right? How, how strange is that? 
Look at how Pastor Kim glamoured his wife. So much so that she came to him and said, you need to marry me. <laughs> and so we are filming this beautiful movie throughout on our uh, during our time here and in this movie are you there you are there but there is no script and now you feel that script the 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 movie has already a plan but now you just need to fill the script and so in the grace in the measure that god has given you now you fill that script with beauty and with glory amen and so through your ministry of filling that script will determine if that movie is Oscar-worthy or not. Do you know the Oscars? No, okay. If it's award-worthy or not. I'm too American. Oh, I need to take out this Americanness. <laughs> and so, as, as it says, on that day you come, come right? Uh, what is God going to say? My good and faithful servant right good and faithful servant so that is, and so depending on how you feel the contents of that script will determine whether you are a star in heaven or not a star amen that are you going to be uh, praised by god saying my good and faithful servant my good and faithful servant and what determines that is who lives by that faith in that calling by that glory amen and so be free Brothers, be free. You do not make anything of your own. You do not determine anything of your own. So you don't need to make anything and you don't need to determine anything. And so how free would you be? Would you not be so free? Well, who is the one who has the most pressure at a business? It is the president, right? The president is responsible for everything, right? If you are an employee, you are free, right? Because you don't, you don't need to worry about anything, right? You do, not, you do not take responsibility for anything. That's the same thing for you. That's why you are a what? You are a steward. You do not take responsibility for anything. But, and yet I look at you and you have so much responsibility. Be free. You are a steward. You are not the master. Are you a master? No, you are a steward. You have been called to the king of all kings. And so he will take responsibility because he is the master. And that's where you will find freedom. That's the freedom that you need to have. If you lose sight of this, that is dangerous. You have no responsibility. Really, you have no responsibility. Even the words that I proclaim, he takes responsibility. I do not, I am not responsible. Even for the words that come out of my mouth, that's the faith that you need to have. And ultimately, you are not responsible for anything, right? It's because you keep trying to take responsibility. That's why you obsess that, ah, I need to be responsible for this. That, ah, in, my, in the limitation, I'm, already, I'm still preaching in this commercial building. But am I obsessed over this? Am I focused on this? No. Am I trying to rush out of here? No, because I do not take responsibility for this. All I have to do is, 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 is film my scene in a beautiful way, in an awesome way, and when that movie comes to an end, receive the praise and honor from God. Amen? And so that's why when I minister, even when I minister, I'm just, I'm just considering that, that, that my focus is all on this, is I need to be a star. I need to be a star. I need to be a star. 
And so even in your prayer, just practice speaking well, speaking awesomely, you know, giving that, that amazing quote. That, and then give it to God. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. And so give me the strength to be able to love you with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul. Give me the strength to, to, to you know, to live out of the authority of that kingly, uh, out of that, uh, out of that, being that kingly, uh, the child of the king. And so God rejoices when I make these kinds of confessions. And so even if I were to make a little lie, like inflate things, God rejoices in that because he rejoices in me being confident in him. So not in the lie in itself. Of course, God's not going to lie. But, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? And so what do you need to be sure of? Two things is who has called you and that I am not making that responsibility. I am not responsible for it myself. Okay, this is what needs to lead you in your life because you are not responsible for your life. And so the issue with the parable of the talents, look at the problem there. The person who received the single talent, where did his fear come from? It's because he thought he was responsible. And so failing that talent is not the problem. Let's say he lost that talent. That would not have been the problem. The problem is that he did nothing with that money. He did absolutely nothing with that money. And so the problem isn't whether you lose that money or not. The problem is what is trust? Are you trusting in the master that the master will take responsibility? Right? That, that the king takes responsibility. He ultimately is in control. He is the master. Then ultimately, all you have to do is just fail in style. Fail in style, right? And so, so say amen, amen boldly and proudly, knowing that you have a blank check. And so when you fill that content with that beauty, then, then you will come to heaven being praised by God. And not just by God, but all the righteous assembly filling this, the, the heavens with that praise. Aren't you waiting in expectation for that? Don't you have great expectation for that? Why? Because now when my life ends and I come to the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to ascend as a star and going up there and everyone's going to ask for my autograph. Pastor, can I get your autograph? Can I get your autograph? <laughs> and so servants this is all your the, your result of your life and so lay down your burdens lay down your burdens you have no responsibility you do not make anything of yourself look because the king of kings has called you he will take responsibility amen and so this must be your lifeline of faith. As, as I always say, this needs to be the foundation of your life. That God takes responsibility. And when you have faith in that, you will live that way. And so ultimately, it's about your faith in who you are, in your identity. And what is your identity? You are a pastor established and assigned by God because of His calling over your life. That needs to be the fundamental focus of your life. 
And so it's because you keep trying to take responsibility. That's why you're unable to go avail the, avail the, uh, the power and authority of God. Because you think it's out of your authority, out of your ability. And that's why you go to this seminar, that seminar. You go everywhere looking for ways to, 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 to become a better person. And so that's why some people get PhDs to, so that they can have more authority, right? And so they live under the authority of the limitation of their self, of what they can do. But, but that's not what a pastoral ministry is about. Pastoral ministry is about confirming that I have been called by the king. Then all I need is what is that calling? Did the king call you? That's all that you must be sure of. Pastors, that this is ultimately all you need is who has called you. So pastor, believe, believe. It's not about your talent. It's not about your ability. It's who believes in his calling who will give his life for that calling that's the faith that you need to have and so do you have that faith that's the confidence that you need to have and so do you have it do you have that confidence who has called you because the king has called you he will take responsibility and he will assign to you everything that you need for that calling amen that's the faith that you need to have it's not about your ability. It's not about your qualifications. It's not about your certifications. It's a Zoe ministry. The fact that you are here, this is, must be clear to you. It's your calling. And so, for we are not overextending ourselves as though we do not reach you. So it's because the king has called me, that's why we are here. And so if the king did not call me, Paul's not going to move. And so as I said in the beginning, why was Paul going to Troas from Macedonia, or going to Macedonia from Troas a mistake? It's because God did not call him there. Right? Remember, when he wanted to first go to Asia Minor, he didn't go because God called him where? God called him to Miletus. And so, and so that's what must be clear is, is, where did the king call you? Where is the king calling you? And so you, as head pastors, as apostles, this is really sensitive. Is it, I'm really sensitive to your movement because I will not move you just however I want to. It's the king that needs to move, right? And so, so the king. And so, how sensitive is it when a king moves, right? For example, you know, right? When a king moves, it's a big event, right? When the king moves, the army has to prepare, right? And and, and then all the servants go out to prepare, right? And so, when a king moves. It's not just a simple fact of moving, right? And so, right, when Jacob moved, who moved? Manahaim, the king of all heavens, moved. And so the assembly, the host, the heavenly host moved. And so when I moved, I'm not simply moving. It is the kingdom of heaven moving with me. And so when you believe that 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 that's that 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 who you are, then this is the authority that's going to move with you. That who am I? The church of God, that the church purchased by his blood. Right? Then then God will acknowledge that you believe that and he will take responsibility for your belief. 
And so what is the issue here? The issue is your faith. Who am I? And so your, your shoulders need to straighten up. Because I'm not telling you to boast in your ability. I'm not telling you to boast in who you are. But I'm telling you to boast in who it is that has called you. And so please... Do not forget that. Please do not be unaware of that. That is who has called you. And so verse 14, For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. Right? And so, the, it's not because of my technique. It's not out of my research. It isn't out of my studies that, that I'm reaching you. No, it is the gospel of Christ. And what is the gospel of Christ? As it says in Mark 1, right, the, the beginning of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus becoming king. Jesus being proclaimed as Christ. And so even this word gospel, if you understand this word in itself, then you understand that it's not out of your efforts. It's not out of your ability. It's not out of your research. It's not out of your qualifications. No, it's in the belief that Jesus came as man and died on the cross and became king, right? And so and was proclaimed king, was declared king. Is, is that out of your effort? Is that out of your research? No. All you can do is believe, right? You cannot make anything of yourself. That is not the gospel. And so when he says Christ, uh, the gospel of Christ, what is Paul trying to allude to? He's saying that ultimately it is the light and the glory, the life given by God. And so only God can give it. And because only God can give it, that word, that glory, that gospel is given to me by God. And because it was given to me, God, that is the confidence, authority, power. All of it is determined by who? By Him. And so nothing can mess with that. And so even in Galatians, what does he say? That who dares preach another gospel? That even if it were to be angels, that angel is cursed. So you may say that Paul is over, uh, overextending himself. That Paul is over-exaggerating. No. If you believe in that calling that Paul believes in, then you will understand why he had the confidence to say that. that the confidence to even say that even if angels were to preach a different gospel than mine, then they are cursed. And so that's why you need to stand firm in the truth system. You need to stand firm in that belief that that, that is where that is where you your your power and authority comes from. And so that's why I can say to this church that, that they need to receive the gospel through my sermons, through my preaching, through my truth. Why? Because because that is where where God allows this this power, this nourishment to flow. And so everyone in our church moves according to the sermons that I preach, right? Because that's why Ephesians 1.23 says, moving according, in good order, according to the command of Jesus Christ. And so when a church is united in one spirit, one truth, one love, one purpose, right? This, this is when that church is powerful. And this is all possible because of what? Because the spirit of God's truth is overflowing in them. And so there was this one church that had 20 different missionary organizations in their church. That church cannot help but be divided amongst themselves. They cannot help but constantly fight amongst themselves because they have so many different chiefs. 
And so they can't help but constantly be divided amongst themselves. But the church is that he who is the king, the truth that he gives in that one purpose, one goal, one truth, one life, they need to move according to that. And so in this day and age, what is the day and age that you are living in? That's what, uh, that's what we need to look at. And so verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. So what is this labors of others? What Paul is saying is that he's not laboring in, in another person's uh, area of influence. Right? He's not trying to minister to things that do not belong to him. It has been given to him by God. And so what is this? This is revelation. And so as it says in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, that God has entrusted this gospel to me. And so, ultimately, whenever Paul writes to these churches, he, he's always making sure that he has this, this, this calling. And that's the difference that separates apostles from prophets. Right? Prophets aren't called to a certain place. They just constantly minister by proclaiming the word of God according to that, that image. But that's not apostles. Apostles have this process, this process of being called. Right, as Paul is, is proclaiming in Damascus, he gets persecuted. Why? Because God didn't want him to preach there at that time. That's, and so that's why after getting persecuted in Damascus, where does Paul go? He goes to the deserts of Arabia. He spends 17 years in the deserts of Arabia. That's for him to be uh, approved by God. The word dokimatsu, being approved by God, being established by God. And then after he has that approval, that, that dokimatsu, uh, he, he starts to preach the preach the gospel and so whatever process you have if you are an apostle if you are an apostle who have been entrusted the times then you need to go through this process and so whether it's your training here in zone ministry i don't know what it is whether it be one year six months one month ten years i don't know but if you have that calling to proclaim the 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 the, the truth of god then you need to go through that process and so if that process hasn't come through, then you need to go into it now. If you are going in it, then you need to allow it to continually grow. Okay. And so, again, at verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labor of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you. And so this area of influence, again, is this word measure, right? This, this, this limit is the same word in Greek, this limit. So this measure, the depth of that measure. And so we are not boasting in the labor of others, but according to what God has called me as an apostle, what God has given me, because I'm preaching that, according to that calling, in that order, these Corinthians are being are growing in the faith according to the nourishment that Paul provides through what God has given them. And so let's say that a saint member and a saint enters into your church. But he's 
trying to be nourished by other pastors, by other sermons, watching YouTube, then, then that person is being poisoned, ultimately. No matter how good it may appear, it is poisoned because, because who is the father of that church? Who is the father of the church in Corinth? It is, it is Paul, right? Paul. And so Paul's role as, as a father, only Paul can fill. And so Yorbang Church, I am the spiritual father. And now, now the associate pastors can be, can be teachers, but they are not the father. If Pastor Cho all of a sudden says, I'm the father, then what does that mean for me? It means that I have been cut. I am fired, right? That, that is ultimately what it is. Who is the head pastor? He is the, the father. And so only through the father can he provide the nourishment for that church to grow. And so that's why uh, the true system that has been established by Paul, in that order, in that order that flows through Paul, allows that growth to happen. Amen? And so this is the order of, of God. And the pastor who believes in this order that God has established me and so that's why what God has given me that's what I'm going to live by then the power and authority that comes from that 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 the king has called me and so so continuing uh, as your faith increases our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged and so in that order of the king the uh, the, uh, the church of Corinth is enlarged and so if other things are there, that's being mixed. And so, right, uh, is being polluted, contaminated, or a better word, adulterated. And so the church is glorified through the pure truth, not through many truths, right? It's through the pure truth. And so, so the glory of the kingdom of heaven comes from what comes from? Purity. Purity. The world thinks that it's about, it's about combining many, many, many different ideologies and being victorious. No. But the kingdom of God is what is, is purity, is receiving that pure nourishment, that single one pure nourishment of God. And that's where victorious comes from. And so that's actually the difficulty of a lot of members at our church is the ones who have gone here and there, here and there removing all of those things is what's actually causing a lot of difficulty in their spirituality and so it's not because you lack things that you have difficulty but rather you have difficulty because you have to remove so much you have to erase so much and so and so it's actually not difficult for people who received the true system before they enter into seminary, but those who enter into seminary and then uh, receive the truth is hard for them because, because they have to remove all those knowledges, all those ideologies that they received. But if they receive the true system first before they enter into seminary, then seminary is just simply confirming that truth, right? And that makes it, that's much easier. And so, and so Zoom ministry, if you continue eating that truth, then, sorry. Uh, if you are eating that truth, then those strongholds of that great prostitute must be starting to reveal themselves because the light of that truth is shining there. And so, 
And so you continually grow and grow and, and you see those those strongholds, those vices. And, and, and so you remove those. God wants to, to reveal those things so that you can remove it. Because if you don't remove it, then you're just simply going to be a miniature tree, not a great tree. Um, in Asia, there are these things called bonsai trees. I think you've seen them before. They are trees, but they're like this small. But they're real trees. And so if you were to plant it, it could grow into a big tree. But the way they do this is by tying the roots. And so by tying the roots, the tree looks like a real tree, but just really small. And so that's, way, that's the imagery he's using, that, that, that these strongholds are those roots being tied. And then so, and so again, he's, he's so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. Again, this is talking about his measure, Paul's measure that, that, that he has been called to preach the truth to the Gentiles. And so in this day and age, who was that entrusted to? It was entrusted to Paul. And so that's why if you look at the followers of Paul, right? Apollos, uh, Priscilla, and Aquila. These these followers, they need to, even though they are amazing beings in in their own right, they, they need to follow Paul. Why? Because Paul has been established for that day and age to prepare the way for the Lord. And so in this day and age, in this time where the, where the Lord's way is being prepared, who is who are the leaders who has been established for this day and age? It is the two witnesses, the two witnesses proclaimed in Revelations. And so you need to have confirmed that calling that are you a servant to the kingdom of heaven in this day and age? Then give your life for that calling. Are you called to lead this day and age? Then, then live based on that faith. If not, then, then, then you need to follow me, right? Listen. Then, so confirm that. Confirm that. Confirm your calling. Are you to follow after a, 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 an apostle like me, or are you that apostle? And that's what I said to Pastor Kang of Singapore. If you are a leader for this day and age, then go your own way. I have no issue with that. But if you are going to enter into this true system, then follow after me. That must be clear. And it's the same to you. This question applies to you too as well. Zoe ministry is about me being established as, as this for the leader for this day and age. Then, then follow after me. If... You are called as your own leader for this day and age. Then go your own way. That 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 is the. There's no problem there. And so, are you going to receive that? And it's when you receive that. That's as Paul says here, that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in other areas of influence. And so, to the Corinthians, to the Gentiles of this day and age, they all needed to follow under what? Under Paul. Because Paul has that calling to establish the truth. And so, Paul's gospel, actually, it's more accurate to say the gospel entrusted to Paul is the gospel that, 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 the day and, that they needed to receive. And so, now, before uh, the Lord's return, 
the remnant who are preparing the way, the two witnesses, the the two candles that that are perched in Zechariah, right? These these two witnesses, one for the Gentiles and one for the Jews. We don't know who it is just yet, but soon that day will come where who he is is revealed. And I'm believing in that. I'm believing that that soon that that leader will be revealed. And so. And so you don't need to determine for yourself if you are the leader of this day and age. But what's important is that you, above that, is that you have been called as a servant of God in this day and age. And so what's important is, is are you called as the remnant? And so in this time of darkness, you are being pastors, but you are also, and so though this may be the time of greatest difficulty, it is also the time of greatest glory. Why? Because with our own eyes, with our very eyes, we will see the Lord come back to earth. We will see that victory come to fruition. And so if you have the, so that's the confidence in calling that you need to have, that you have been called as this day and age. And so finally, verse 17, but the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And so when we boast, we boast according to what God gives. And so we are obedient to what God has given us. And so we live fully by what God gives. Amen. The world lives by looking for what is best for them, what they think that is best for them. But the kingdom of heaven is not like that. The kingdom of heaven is what God gives is best for me. And when we live by that, we will be victorious. We must not be mixed. Amen. And so let us boast in the Lord. There's no reason to boast in myself. It is because God has given, because God has done it, because God takes responsibility, because God has made it. Amen? God is very pleased with these kinds of confessions. So that's why I say that in your body you need to uh, ingrain this mentality of, of stewardship, that I am a steward. So if you don't have that stewardshipness, then you're going to try to make things of your own self. And so in your relationship by what God gives you, by living in that relationship, by confirming your calling and living in what God has given you, that is what's going to allow you to grow in all beautiful right? And so verse 18, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved. And so this is the righteousness of God. And so who God acknowledges. So it's not about finding your own righteousness. No, it's when God considers you righteous, that you live by what God gives. That's it. And so in your pastor ministry, it's not about you working hard. Because you, maybe you work hard and God asks you, why are you here? Let's say that you worked hard and gathered a thousand church members. God asks, who gave you these thousand members? Then, then what? purpose is that right because when you work and when you gather it needs to all be for the glory of the kingdom of heaven but let's say that let's say that you gathered a thousand people and they're all going to hell right then god is not going to be pleased with that right and that is 100 percent if you did it out of your own strength because god works out of what god works out of what he gives and so 
And so let's say you gathered a thousand people outside of what God gave, then they're all going to hell, right? So who is the representative of this positive mindset, right? It's Joel Osteen, right? Joel Osteen, and, 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 and this entire world is influenced by what he has preached, which is what? Which is this positive thinking. Right, all these churches that have these ideologies based on positive thinking. They are, and so all of these church members, do you really think that they are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven in glory? Now, it'd be great if they could, but, but honestly, according to the truth that I, I, I received, it's not possible because all they are doing is building their own kingdom. They're living for their own righteousness. They're living out of their own experiences, out of their own ability. And so look at how, how sensitive it is even in raising disciples, right? So ultimately, most discipleship is what is out of legalism, out of legalism, trying to control the people under you. But if you were to disciple according to the Bible, according to the Holy Spirit, it's not about confining people, it's not about reigning over people, but giving them true freedom. And what is true dominion? It is freedom. And so if you lose that freedom, then you are losing everything. And so uh, when a single church stands properly before God, there's freedom, right? There is true freedom. And so, and so when God raises someone up, He's not raising them up to be a part of something. So like, like what I mean by that is not like a part in a machine. So for her, it's not just important for her to play piano. That's not it. If she plays piano, she plays piano. She is also able to minister. She's able to do all things that is necessary for the kingdom of heaven, right? So, Right, why do you think Jesus Christ led his disciples for three and a half years? Right, not because not because it was a system like this this curriculum of progression. Because if it was a curriculum of progression, it doesn't take more than six months, right? But because it's life and, and the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, that's why he led them for three and a half years. And look, three and a half years wasn't even enough time, right? Because they all fled him when fled from him when 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 the time came. And so, as I, so what am I trying to stress? That it's not made out of my efforts. It's not made out of this program or curriculum. No, it's God raising me. And so when, when, I'm, do, when I'm working out of God's, God's nourishment, right? It's, it's, not, it's not training them. It's, it's about life, right? And so all these associate pastors that, I'm, that are my disciples, it's not, I'm not teaching them to be a part of a machine. No, they need to be alive. And so they need to be able to look at everything from the big picture. That I am not the only one who is saying that this is the truth. No, but we together come together saying that this is the truth. Showing that this is the truth. And how is that done by? It's by us all raising, being raised up in that truth. And so if you are a pastor of, of established by God, then this is the way you need to be able to 
apply to discipleship that. One moment, please. And so, so it is not the one who commands himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commands. And so fully by what God gives and, and what God has uh, assigned to you. And so all you children of God, we are shooting this amazing movie. And so, so the, 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 the scenario has been laid out. But now the script is up to you, up to your free will. And so fill that script with amazing lines, right? With amazing lines. And so confess to the person next to you. Give them this amazing line. I don't know what's anything. So if you receive this word in faith, then you would be free today. That, ah, when God called me, he didn't tell me to do something, but rather he has, he's going to take responsibility for everything. Amen. And so that's the faith you need to have. And so he will be faithful to your faith. That's the belief that you need to have. Because... God has purchased you through His blood, and because He has purchased you with His blood, would He not, uh, would He not value you? Would He not take care of you? That's the faith that you need to have. Amen. So really, the church is an amazing being. For the past 32 years, that's what I recognize, is that the more time goes by, the more I'm amazed at this church, this being that is the church. Because what God is willing to give to His church is infinite. It's infinite. So, ah, the church is the kingdom of heaven. And because it is the kingdom of heaven, God will give everything. What is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is, is, is the kingdom that God reigns. And so when God reigns, all of His authority, all of His power, His, His majesty over angels, the heavenly hosts, all of that is given to you. God's plan for all of creation is in this church. And when that is proclaimed, God takes responsibility. All the secrets of this spiritual and material world is all unfolded to you. It's all available to you. And so how powerful it is, you have experienced it so far in the spiritual realm. But it's not only in the spiritual, but also in the material. And so you will see that glory soon. And so, so this is the season. The season is up to is now where all the spiritual, all the material is unfolding onto you. And so, hallelujah. Servants, believe that you have been called to this glorious kingdom. And so, Lord, these servants, may they receive that calling that they have been called 100% by the King of all kings. If they have any doubt, wash it clean by the blood of Jesus that they would believe 100% that I do not make this victory, that I do not make this out of myself, but that I'm truly free from that responsibility that I stand fully before God and that I may be a servant that would, that would be commended by God and so Lord, that it wouldn't be my thoughts, my methods, my experiences, but that my flesh would be put to death here and that your spirit would come up that the glory that you pour out that I would be able to receive it my beloved servants I am the one who has called you I am the one who establishes you hallelujah heavenly father be present in this place
Savior, be free, be free. Upon all these precious servants, Lord, may the power and authority of this spiritual reality be poured out upon them. This amazing authority and majesty that God is pouring out upon you, do not, do not give this up. Do not give this up. If you have given up a compromise with this, then repent deeply. Because honestly, this glory that cannot be compared with anything else in this world has been given to you. And, so, and yet, you try to move out of your experience, out of your fleshliness. All of these things, Lord, repent of, cleanse us of these things. And may we once again draw near by that calling of the King. That everything that you have given me, this faith, when I move in that faith, all the churches of Zor ministry, may we see revival in them. Revival in this authority and order of the king. That they would be able to come against and strike down the work of the devil. history no matter what kingdom it may be whenever a king raised the crown prince it wasn't about their education it wasn't about their ability the only thing that they were concerned with is that the crown prince knew who he was and it's the same thing to you what are you teaching your church members? Ultimately is this, is who you are. You are the child of the king. You are not trying to raise up people who are smart at business. You are not trying to raise up people who are smart in language. You are raising people to know who they are, that they are the child of the king, that they are the kingdom of heaven, that they belong to the kingdom of heaven, that that is where their glory is, and your glory is as the servant of that kingdom. And that's where that confidence flows, that I have been called by the king. I have been called by the king. My sheep has been entrusted to you. And so, the failure of the church of God is not because you lack money. It's not because you lack wisdom. It's not because you lack experience. No, it's because you do not believe in the reign of God. It's because you do not believe in the power of God. It's because you do not believe in the calling of God. Ultimately, the church is what is the place where God reigns. It's the place where God is. And so do not compromise with this truth that God's kingdom has the victory.
awaken in your servants this knowledge of who you are, that the church is your kingdom. has God applied the standards of the world when he comes to the church. Never once, even when Adam was created, never once did God lose sight of that design of that priestly king. And so why would God apply that standard of the world when the church is being made? So the victory of the church is not determined by the standard of the world, but is the kingdom of heaven being established. That's the faith you need to have. So servants of God, this is the secret to you, is to not limit the the, the power and authority of the king. This must be your principle. And so the church of God is an amazing, amazing thing. And more and more as time goes by, more and more will that identity of the church be revealed. And so as you experience that, you should realize that and be astonished at what God has done. Why? Because the King of Kings reigns. He has dominion. Amen. And so in this last week of this conference, Let us restore the dominion of the King over our lives. Amen. That God has called me. That He will take responsibility. That I live by what He gives. Amen. And so, let us praise this glory that God has given us. Amen. Amen. And so, enjoy your lunch.